0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Summon Elder Dragon Podcast. This is number three, and we're really happy to be here. This is Steve, your host. I'm joined today by my beautiful co-hosts, Benny Smith. Say hello, Benny. (laughs) Hello, Benny. And our correspondent from the Land of the Rising Sun, it's Sean O'Neill. Sean, say hello. Hey, guys we have a great podcast lined up here, we're, we're going to call this one The Days of Future Past because we are going to get around to talking about Worldwake. We had some technical difficulties with our Worldwake recording and uh, it went by the way of the trash. So uh, we're going to touch on Worldwake a little bit, I know a lot of other people have kind of jumped in on that, but then we're going to actually go on and talk about the, uh, the several cards from Rise of the Eldrazi that are being spoiled around the internet. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to talk about those, uh, thanks to uh, Benny getting access to some of those. And um, th- those will be out after the, uh, what would they call it, the uh, you shall not talk about before this date time. So we'll, we'll be having some fun with that. So let's just uh, roll right into this and start talking about Wake. It's been out for a little bit and we're going to go over the generals all right,
1: uh, I'll kick it off with Kazul, uh, Tyrant of the Cliffs. And uh, for those who haven't uh, seen him, perhaps he's a or want a reminder. He costs uh, three colorless and two red. Uh, ogre Warrior Legend, five four. Uh, whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks, if you're the defending player, three three red Ogre creature token onto the battlefield unless that creature's controller pays three. So. What's nice about him, uh, I know around my table, uh, there's some people who to uh, create hordes of token creatures. Uh, he's a good guy to kind of wave them off from coming your way and uh, hopefully making their uh, board madness uh, to maybe one of your opponents as opposed to coming your way. So, Of course, there's different ways you can try to kind of locking people down with locking people's mana down with hidden port or some other things to sort of strengthen his position. But I think even just all by himself nice in that he's uh just kinda tells people encourages people to uh to their attacks other other directions. What do you guys think?
2: I think I own fifteen Ogre Hookings. <laughs> and I'm
0: probably gonna find some more <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Nice.
0: I, I'm thinking, uh, you know, even if someone doesn't have a horde of small critters, even if they say, you know, maybe they have three or four, like, 1-1 one, one tokens, they ship your way, uh, you know, you, you, you get your three-three ogres, block and toast them, and then you ask that person who so graciously attacked you who your target should be when it's your turn, you know? Like oh, thanks for giving me some ogres. Who should I smack with them?
1: So you're kind of upgrading the the horde to three threes if uh, you made that to get past somebody.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's it, it it seems to me like it it could make for every once in a while it could make for some interesting, uh, you know, kind of helpful politics. Or someone will attack you and you and with with small enough creatures that it doesn't matter they're they're either not gonna do enough damage to you if you let them through or you're gonna block with those ogres and uh and then you've got these ogres to you know maybe go after the big threat on the table,
1: yeah yeah, definitely that's a nice nice thought,
2: and if you're playing blue, someone shows up with this general incubator, gather specimens. <laughs>
1: Pretty <laughs> gather <laughs> yeah, specimens. That is pretty wrong.
0: Uh, Sean, do you have one you want to talk about? I I think I put down uh, uh, dibs on on one of our our list here, but I actually could talk about any number of them. That's fine. Uh, I wanted to talk about Paula
2: Adele Acquisitor because, uh, well, actually, that is a general in my group now, so uh, I've got Brian's playing that now. Um, when the card was spoiled, he got pretty excited about it, he was like, turn four soul Ring every time, you know, so, uh, it's funny, like, watching, watching him evolve, like, as he plays the deck, you know, trying to figure out, because he starts learning what everybody's deck is. I mean, you know what people's decks are, but then you really know what their decks are after a while playing this deck, because you'll go to look for, you know, the, the O Stone, and like, oh, you're not playing it now, and, you know. It's really interesting because, basically, you get to play this as your general, and you get to cut a lot of your utility um, artifact cards because you just get to steal them from other people. So it's pretty funny. Like he, he cut his O stone and his duplicate, and he can take them from other people now. And uh, you know It's always good for a soul ring. It, it's pretty hilarious. I like, I like the general a lot, and it makes uh, your spreading seas even better which Spreading Seas is a great card to play, just to hose like Maze of Ith or things like that. And, uh, you know, with the Island Walk, it just makes it even sillier, with this being your general. Definitely, uh, probably number two after Kazul, I think. it's <laughs> my favorite from the set. So.
0: And seeing as it had some play, have uh, has it put a, a big target on anyone for, for whipping this out and stealing people's artifacts? Or how has that been... How's that been uh, received by the group?
2: Well, I mean, he's playing blue. Um, but, you know, like in my group, <laughs> he, we're working on him. You know, he's, he finally cut his Mimnark and stuff like that. So it, it just depends. I mean, not that bad, you know? I mean, you have plenty of artifacts, and if you didn't draw your Soul Ring, it's not that big a deal. You know? So... Go get it. Like he'll get it from somebody. does it really matter. But it's a very political card, so it's kind of fun. You know, I've I've been pretty good at convincing him I'll do something else, or it's in his best interest, or something like that. You know, like I've got uh, hunted lamasu in my hand. I'm like, I'll give you a four four if you don't take my soul ring. Uh, stuff like that. So it's a pretty political card. And if you're playing other political cards, then uh, you know this guy would be happy to get free stuff. As his hey, General has that presence to where he can take things. So, um, if you like political cards, this is one of the the more political ones I think, and it, it can just be a lot of fun. I think it's I think it's caused a lot of fun compared to a Iran Academy Chancellor. So, I think this General has been more fun for everyone. So.
0: That's good to know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was kind of with uh, with uh, Steve. I was certainly curious as to how general out and threatening to steal people's artifact was being received. I'm glad to hear that that it seemed well, to be causing more fun than, than anger. <laughs> it's cool.
2: Yeah, it is, and it's really it's interesting because it's not actually stealing the card from you. I mean, you, you go through their deck and get it, so it's kind of like even if he takes it, it's kind of like, ooh, he's showing off my toy, you know, like he'll grab my soul ring because I have the Judge foil promo, and, you know, or he'll <laughs> grab someone else's stuff and they'll be like, ooh, look at that, you know, like, it's kind of and it depends, And you know, if you have a top and then it's like, hey, you gave me a free shuffle kind of I mean, it, it just depends, but not so many of us are running really like toolbox decks or something like that To where if he took some key artifact where it would really make us mad um, it, I don't know so far he hasn't really made anybody too mad with it, and it's kind of like, even if he does quote unquote, take it from you it's still, you know you get to see your toys get played by someone I guess, so and this would be a really good card to just um if you don't want to play the artifact, like if someone's in your groups playing Mind or something, just take it from them so that they can't. Or if you do hit them and then you're like, Well, they've got this in their hand Or, you know, any any deck that, you know, from week to week, if like, you know, the you don't want to play around obliterate and you're sick of the card or something like that, just playing it and, you know, if it's not in his deck you can say, Oh, he's got it, so and just have the table gang up on him instead of like a you know there's no risk factor like people don't want to really crush the guy if he's not going to do it you're like well he for sure has it so take him out it's a very political card i really like it though
0: all right
1: your accounting of it has has me uh contemplating building a, uh, a theta adele deck which i hadn't until talking with you so that's pretty cool
0: Moving on, I'm going to talk, I, th- I think I put down uh, that I wanted to talk about Ano on the Ruin Sage, but I'm actually going to switch out, uh, at least right now, and I'm going to talk about Omnath, Locus of Mana. And this, um, this card has come more to the forefront of my thinking ever since some of the Rise of the Eldrazi cards have been uh, spoiled. Uh, mainly because of its ability to help you build up uh, mana pretty quickly and so my my thoughts are are leaning towards this as a look look out for this card in the future because of the way it can help you power out some of the Eldrazi uh, big Eldrazi cards which is a a minor spoiler I, I think we're gonna talk a little bit about some Rise of the Eldrazi cards but we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later and we'll make sure that if you wanna somehow maintain your virgin ears when it comes to the Eldrazi cards you can you can you know, skip out. But I think it's it's no secret, and it's not going to be a secret by the time this set gets out that um, the Eldrazi are are gigantic creatures that cost a lot of mana, and uh, most of the ones that are being spoiled, at least uh, that we've seen so far, there's no colorless or there's no colored mana in them. So uh, they would obviously fit into any color deck, and Uh, Omnath, I think, would help power that out, because Omnath uh, basically allows you, for those that aren't familiar with it, in in case you haven't, you know, seen these cards, it it allows you to basically put mana into your mana pool, and just let it sit there forever. And then Omnath, uh, does Omnath get a bonus? I haven't looked at Omnath close enough, uh, lately. Right, that's right, so, um, So you can go ahead and dump mana in there, and and it's it's specifically green mana, but not a big problem if you're using them as your general, uh, because that's mainly most of the mana you're going to make. But you can just uh, pump a lot of mana into there and boom, you're going to build it up and maybe be able to... You know, obviously, he's a 3-mana creature to get out. So if you've got 3 on board, and some of these Eldrazi spells are in the 9, 10, 11 mana casting cost range, we haven't seen all of them yet, but that's uh, maybe, you know, maybe 2 to, you know, maybe 2 turns, you can, maybe two to 3 turns, you can uh, build up some mana in your mana pool and maybe bring out one of these huge things. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. I know that there are some folks who have built around Ruffalos, to make some mighty big green creatures. Uh, Benny, isn't that one? Isn't Raffalos one of the ones you've uh, fooled around with a little?
1: Yeah, I had a Raffalos deck together for about a year, and uh, it, it definitely, you know, pretty much turn three, you're throwing around, you know, six mana spells, and then, you know, it just gets even bigger after that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I could definitely see Omnath and Raffalos uh, having some fun with these Eldrazi spells, for sure. One thing that Omnath I thought was interesting, too, is how it could really get nuts with um, Greater Good. You know, like, mana and your Omnath gets huge, and you sack off Omnath to draw a bunch of cards, and you've got mana to play cards, you know.
0: And Omnath again.
1: Yeah, and you could replay Omnath if you want. Kind of nuts, I think, with uh, Greater Good and you know, digging deep for your Eldrazi monsters.
0: That's assuming you haven't uh, drawn and played your Eye of Ugin yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's go back around then. And uh, Benny, do you want to take uh, one more of these uh, generals we haven't talked about yet?
1: Yeah, the other one I was uh, curious about was uh, Rexiel the Risen Deep. Uh, who's a legendary kraken, which I think is pretty cool especially with some of those uh, previews that we've been seeing of the new uh, Clash of the Titans movie. So it kind of gives another, uh, a new level of interest in the Krakens and such. But anyway, I think this guy's pretty cool because, you know, somebody, you know, I would say his island walk and swamp walk ability is going to be useful in probably the vast majority of your opponents. Um, you know, somebody's going to have either an island or a swamp. Um, each, you know, each of your opponents is probably a pretty good, pretty good chance of having one of those two. And if you're, you know, if you really want to make sure of it, you can play the, you know, the Urborg to make sure everybody swamp swamp walk wagon. But you know, the by the time you cast this guy, there's bound to be some instants and sorceries around the table that are playing out of people's graveyards, which you know, I just think is a, you know, bound to be fun you guys think?
0: I like, uh, you know, I like, uh, stealing things, or if, if, or borrowing, you know, either way, whichever way people are gonna, uh, look at it, and, uh, I, I did happen to pull, a, a foil Rexiel, so I got a, a shiny, uh, Two? oh yeah, somehow or another, I actually ended up with a full, a full playset, one of which foil? a figure.
2: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
0: just kind of crazy. I'm like, oh, come on! Four Rexials. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I can't complain about Jace, because I ended up with uh, with two, so uh, that's not too bad, but you know, four Rexials is probably not four of the uh, mythic card I would most want. But still, Island Lock, Swamp Walk, boy, that's gonna set you up for some good possibility for general damage. And that backside... You know, I mean, so even though even though it's got this great ability, you're looking at some pretty decent evasion on this thing. Going around an EDH table, a lot of people want to play with black or blue.
2: I would encourage my buddy to play
0: Doran if I was playing this. <laughs> oh, my <goodness. laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it?
2: On uh, Evan Irwin's The Magic Show, in his interview with uh, one of the million interviews with Kenneth Nagel, he was talking about on the Magic Cruise, he was talking about uh, this guy and said that he created this general specifically to hate on the guys who play Time Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if you hate on people who play Time Stretch, this is, might be the general for you, but you have
0: to dip into blue water, so. Don't we,
1: all, don't we all hate the people that play with time stretch?
0: <laughs> well, check me if I'm wrong, but the reason we hate them is that they generally don't play time stretch once. That's the problem. Usually by the time they play time stretch, they're gonna play time stretch until they win the game. I think you only need to cast it once. I mean,
2: there are situations where you are so far behind, but... I mean, time stretch could functionally be time stretch if it said each opponent skips their next turn. That's You know? So, I just don't like time walk effects, period. EDH.
0: Yep. It feels too much like cheating.
2: Well, I mean, it's a five-player game, and you've basically told four people they can't play spells for two turns. So, I mean, that's my biggest mantra when I'm trying to be no douchebag, is not stop people from playing their spells. And by that end, I really feel like, okay, you guys can't cast spells for the next two turns, you have to sit here and watch me. Even if you're not comboing out, it's a one-card combo. Like, I'm going to take three turns in a row. In a five-player game that lasts a good 90 minutes, if you're lucky, it's probably gonna last, you know, closer to two hours and a half or something like that. It's pretty annoying. I, don't know. Yeah. I just absolutely hate it. <laughs>
0: yeah, good point. Good point. All right, well, Sean, uh, do you want to take then Anuyn, the Ruin Sage? That's our last uh, Elder Dragon potential general from uh, World Lake.
2: Well, I actually just wanted to make one comment about Omnath before we get to that. Oh sure. It it, it was it's kind of gone now, but it was got kind of in the moment. I was gonna be like, you know, from the creator of ninety nine Mountain Ashling brings you ninety nine Forest Omnath. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> and uh, the Omnath deck actually crushes the Ashling deck. It's sad, but <laughs> it's unfortunate. I've done this so many times with just generals and basic lands. You know, try to come up with just see which which decks are gonna beat what if if you're only allowed to play basic lands in your general, you know, like what would be strong or not or whatever. And the Ashling crushes most. And it's kinda funny that, that on Nath can beat the Ashling. But so basically they get put in a situation where they have to chump block every turn, and then they can't your general except every other turn, and then you just land one general hit and you win, so on to Anawan. <laughs> and formats that really matter. <laughs> Um Annawan is not going to make you like at your table because uh the funny thing is a lot of people aren't playing a lot of vampire creatures so kind of just going to feel like hey that's an abyss that if I have a removal spell and I'm playing dudes I'll kill it Um people playing I guess controly cards will probably like you to play it kind of like the general and the fact that it's like this back pocket removal in a way like if you know you always have access to it because it's your general so if you do play it and someone just has one really unstoppable threat on the table. You can throw this down, and you know, that will deal with it. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it. It could be. I don't think he really is gonna shine. Just like as I want to play this guy turn five, or you know, I can't wait till I play my general and people go, "Wow, that's awesome." It's kind of gonna feel like, "Oh, you're playing a kill spell," or. It just doesn't really feel the same, I think, as playing, like, an, a usual general, or some kind of theme to the deck. Like, this is just vampires. It's it's pretty obvious, and nobody else is going to be playing vampires. No, nobody's really playing vampires right now, so... you going to be sacking creatures and trying to kill your general. It's something you kind of want to avoid. <laughs> uh, use at your own risk, and... I uh, don't I don't really think this is the one of the better generals to be bringing out.
0: Seems like too much of a target.
1: Yeah, I think I think the successful way of using him, like you said, is to just kind of not play him until he's like needed to take care of. Yeah, That's, and then he
2: doesn't feel special, right? He just kind of feels like this. Oh, you're playing Mono Black EDH, which is a number of staples anyway, and then you know you just get this like kill spell. It's not really your general,
0: you know. Yep. Yep. So uh, let's let's just do a little. uh, poll here. Where are we at as far? What's rank these generals as far as the the best for EDH down to the worst? Who who do you guys think is number one? Don? How would you rank them? Top three? isn't on power
2: level, but mostly like on uh, the the most enjoyable. Like your whole group will enjoy it. So I would put Kazul. Probably number one. I mean, it's probably. <laughs> I don't know, I, I think it's a hilarious card. So, I mean, just to see Reddit's abilities. So I would put Kazul at number 1, and I would put Thaladel at number 2, and Omnath at 3, Rexio at 4, and I would not put anyone on the list. <laughs> Alright, Benny? I'm
1: uh, pretty much the same as, uh, as Sean, except I think he's Sold me on Theta Adele. I think I would have to put theta as number one. I want give her a try now. So I'd probably switch it to Theta number one cos' number two and then Omnath and Rexiel and uh maybe Anwan. <laughs> but, like I, I've seen some people play Elder Dragon Highlander. They don't really ever play their general. kind of incomprehensible to me, but there are some people that they their general is just sort of there to set the colors. So, you know, I could see I could see somebody possibly just pay, playing Anawan as just sort of, like you said, a pocket removal spell. You know, have access to all the time.
0: Well, and from the standpoint of, of using your general to set colors, I'd, I I think I'd actually rate Rexiel as number one, mainly because it's going to allow you at least a two-color deck. Um, not to mention the fact that it does have good removable and, uh, you know, has got that big back end uh, and, and has a relevant ability um, so I, I think you got threats on all levels and yet you're not stealing something from their hand or their deck. I, I think politically it's a little easier to pluck something out of their graveyard and uh, you, you get the those two forms of evasion so I, I'd actually put that first um, despite the fact that uh, you know like Omnath and, and theta Adele and Kazul all have great abilities and I'm not even sure. Uh, where I would put those three after Rexiel. Uh, but mainly I'm putting Rexiel up top, mainly because it's got uh, multicolored uh, casting costs, kind of letting you uh, branch out a little bit with your deck, and it's got some relevant abilities that aren't, and this is my own personal stuff, they they aren't too scary um, to really make someone go nuts. So that's that's my take on it. So we... I'm trying to sell my foil Rexiel too, because nobody wants it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not just that. Well, okay, maybe some of it. I
2: did listen to what you said. You, you know, you made some good points.
0: Well, and, you know, we're all going to have our, our, our own little takes on this, but uh, but I just... The more the more I think about, you know, which one I would choose to, to start building around, um, I just, you know, I would like to have the ability to play black and blue spells.
2: It's all less hate than uh, Ona, Queen of the Fae, so that would probably be a good option if you just really enjoy those colors. And, you know, people see Ona and they're going to think you're playing an infinite mana combo and going to mill them out. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not, it, it doesn't matter. They're, just, they're not going to believe you, especially if they've never played with you before. So this this could be a more fun option, I think.
0: And like Fada, you can still play Spreading Seas. Oh yeah. And Orborg. Orborg should be in every EDH deck. <laughs> Another good point Well, we've uh, we've got a whole batch of cards in Worldwake And uh, let's all just take a, a couple cards and talk about them And, and how we think they're going to uh, work nicely Either we're going to throw them in our EDH deck or, or whatnot um, So Sean, why don't you pick uh, a card and tell us what you think about it uh, This is uh, not general, this is just uh, a couple of gems out of Worldwake that you're going to be excited about playing in your EDH decks.
2: Okay, well, I mean, I've actually been playing with Worldwake even just when it was spoiled, um, just testing in kind of a casual kind of dual situation. And then um, then after it came out, you know, I went to my midnight pre-release, five cards that I was looking for, and they've been in my EDH deck ever since. So, <laughs> um, the, the biggest prize... I uh, would have to be my foil admonition angel that's in there right now. And that card is insane. It's just insane. Um, it's hard to remove with six toughness. Um, if y- it can be political in that you can remove annoying things and you know, stay away from the guy who does have the kill spell at the moment. And you can just remove so many things. Especially in my deck uh, with all my fetch lands and I can just trigger landfall like it's crazy. Uh, I have so many tricks with this deck with um, admonition angel that it, it's it's just really really insane. Especially when you just play it, if someone's gonna wrath, you can pop a fetch. I can remove my chroma with admonition angel. The wrath goes off, and then my chroma comes back. Or you know whatever other cool dude I have that I want to hide. Um, there's also tricks with Amiria the Sky Rune and a sack outlet. So I. You know, just for the fact that I can continuously get it back every turn, I can kind of use it as a removal spell. Bring it into play, um, and then I play land, and in response to that uh, remove your guy ability, just like standard thing with Oblivion Ring, I just sack the creature. And then I can remove it forever, and if I used to fetch land, I could remove two things forever. It's a pretty powerful card, and it's 6 6 fly for 6. That isn't purity, which played with enough to never play with again because I don't like that it shuffles my deck um, and that it doesn't go to the graveyard so it has so little synergy with all my other cards that bring stuff back from the graveyard that kind of stuff so I'm really happy with that Munition Okay so obviously I had to talk about a card that is gonna go into my favorite EDH deck but my next card I want to talk about is a card that probably should be ubiquitous in EDH decks in my opinion it's called uh, Pilgrim's Eye um, basically, for 3 mana, you know, the cost of a Junior's Kite activation, you get a 1-1 artifact creature with flying, and you get to search your deck for a basic land and put it into your hand. This card is so awesome for so many reasons. I um, blocked, you know, the Shizo general that's going to kill me about 30 times <laughs> since getting this card. Um... It really just helps you to just smooth your draws and, you know, keep the mana coming. If you're playing multiple colors, I'm sure that would help even more. I'm just uh, playing a dumb mono color deck. It's really amazing, and I have a really beautiful foil, and, and you've got to get the card foil. I mean, it's a common, so it's not hard, and it's really amazing. This card, uh, it just, I don't know, lands are great, people, play them, <laughs> but don't. Just play cards that get you lands, and then you can have more stuff. Uh, the last card I want to talk about is Marshall's Anthem. This is one of the new uh, multi-kicker cards. Uh, kicker's not new, multi-kicker is, I guess, so... It's a kicker that you can do as many times as you have mana. And, wow, Marshall's Anthem. Ridiculous. Um, I don't play Glorious Anthem or Crusade or anything like that in my white deck, because, you know, I don't really feel the effects that strong. but. Making a Chroma have seven power is very strong, and uh, Marshall's Anthem has been really great for me. And I've returned just godly armies to play uh, in the late game. Um, you can tutor it up with Enlightened Tutor. If you're playing white, uh, it's this card. Should you should probably be playing it, unless there's just so much graveyard hate it'll never happen. But even the plus one plus one ability is fine, and. Usually you're bringing back, you know, a couple of big guys, and even, you know, you've got so much mana, you just bring back a few utility guys, like another Pilgrim's Eye, or another um, uh, Yin
0: Thoren. It's
2: one of the best cards, <laughs> in my
0: opinion. Let me ask you, Sean, do you ever envision a, a scenario where you're playing this without Kicker, just because you want to have that boost? Oh yeah, I have. Um, I
2: absolutely have. You know, like I said, it, it gives my Chroma 7 power. Uh, it's the magic number DDH. I've actually played it without kicker. Um, and, problem. <laughs> you know, if I have the. I've had hands where, you know, I have Cloud Goat Ranger and just wanted to curve out that way. And I would just play it and then play the Cloud Goat Ranger and be like, wow, you know? It's silly.
0: You can say Cloud Goat Ranger go boom.
2: Yeah. Cloud Goat Ranger, 5 mana equals 10 power worth of dudes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Ah. All right. Well, I got a few, I got a few cards I want to just just highlight. Um, you know, and some of these have been talked about before. But uh, Everflowing Chalice is the first one, uh, and I, you know, this is great. Uh, again, we have another uncommon here. Uh, its ability to ramp your mana from the early game into the late game is amazing. You know, for those that that don't are familiar with this card, it has a zero casting cost. And it has a multi kicker of two, and for each time you kick it, um, it it's basically going to you know, provide you with one mana from that on. I think you put counters on it, and you put uh, basically tap it to add mana equal to the number of counters. So it, at two, you're basically getting uh, you know a one mana uh, artifact. Uh, one mana, producing artifact. At four, you're getting two, so it's going to be uh, like a Kraken's Eye or um, uh, what, what's the other one, uh, Siste's Ring. And but but what's great is you can go to six, and and get something that's going to tap for three each time. You can go to eight if you're just uh, completely mana glutted, and and you're going to get something that taps for four. So this scales nicely, and you know if if you don't have some way of utilizing lots of mana in your EDH deck at some point through the game, you're probably doing it wrong. Because you should be making big plays with big mana spells at some point (laughs) when you're playing EDH. So I think Everflowing Chalice fits into that nicely. And, um, I was always a big fan of, um... Uh, help me out folks. What's the land from I think it was nemesis that uh, Terrain generator. I was always a big fan of the the land terrain generator, which allowed you to spend two, tap it And put a land into play. Well, they they helped us out in world wake by giving us an artifact creature that can tap To allow you to put a land into play. It's called walking atlas, and I think that's a lot of fun Um Obviously you can use it to do some landfall shenanigans, uh, especially if you have some way of returning lands to your hand. So, you know, it, it's got some utility there. I'm not saying that this is an EDH staple, but it's definitely a card that, that might have some some uses and you might want to play with. And then the last one I wanted to talk about, and this is, um, this is more strictly a flavor thing almost entirely, and that is Urge to Feed. Um, too black, it's gonna give a creature minus three, minus three, and then you may tap any number of vampires to put a plus one, plus one counter on those vampires. And I just think thematically, flavor wise, this is like completely out of the ballpark uh, as far as this one goes. This is just wonderful. I just, I just, I almost wish that they would have made it, um, you know, that, that you would have had to have tapped, you know all vampires, and they all get plus one, plus one counters on it, because it just seems so cool that you've got this this spell that's basically going to make some creature bleed, and the vampires just go nuts because they can't resist, you know, the snack. I just I just love that. So, those are my, my three that I think are kind of fun.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, Urge to Feed, don't forget uh, the people that like to play Changeling decks. So I want an Urge to Feed. I...
2: Yeah. <laughs> So uh, walking Atlas, good to know that it's any land and not just basics like terrain generator. So
0: oh does oh yeah whoops never mind it's really awesome. Oh yeah
2: and uh, if, especially if you're playing like
0: the five color
2: decks that are fallen or maybe even three color like if you have if you have enough to maybe to make it worth it. Those are what we call the Ravnica block lands that are two color and come in and bounce a land. You know this guy untapped it's basically sort of a spell, you know, when someone goes to strip mine your maze of it, you know, just tap your walking atlas, save it, and put in your Karu and bounce it, you know. Um, Pretty cool card. And uh, you've definitely got me considering Everflowing Chalice. Not to ramp into anything, but, you know, if you're kind of drawing dead, which only happens if your general is way too expensive now, because it's been killed so many times, Everflowing Chalice, and uh, you can probably catch your general for a couple more turns after that. So, it's, uh, even the, I like cards like that that'll always be good, like, kind of, even in a really top deck situation. So, I, I like Everflowing Chalice, I think. I'm, I haven't been playing it at all, because I don't really play any artifacts that. unless they're just so good, because I like to blow up all artifacts sometimes. I play the two Sol Rings Sol Ring and Mana Crypt, and Mind Stone, basically, for artifact mana, but. I think I would just hold this guy and hold this guy until it's the very last thing that I'm going to do, maybe. And then that will ensure I can cast my general for a couple more turns if it's been getting killed too much, so.
0: That's a really good point. you for bringing that, that
2: card up. I didn't really think about it.
0: <laughs>
2: Plus, uh, Theta
1: Adele can't steal it from you.
2: Oh, good point. <laughs> it has to be kicked. <laughs> I thing, you could, right? Like, I mean, you could just steal, like, okay, I'm only going to steal your worthless cards, you know? I'm going to pile up just a whole bunch of worthless trinkets or something. Like, you know, you could just have so much fun with the atmosphere that, I don't know, it'd be kind of funny. That was really fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait. Actually, no, Theta, Theta could actually, uh, actually, I think Benny Theta could steal that because, um, Theta exiles the card and then... Until end of turn you may play that card, is is how it's worded.
2: Oh, so you actually Oh yeah, it, so you actually to have it. to pay the mana cost. Oh yeah, that's, that's right.
0: Yep. Okay, so
2: you yeah, can yeah, get right the crap out
1: of it. Man, <laughs> even the chalice is not safe from that murfolk Merfolk rogue. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great card to steal from somebody later in the game, right? That thing wow. into the stratosphere and then you could do all kinds of crazy mana stuff.
0: Boom boom boom.
1: Well, way
2: See
0: Steve, busting us on the rules, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well I just that <laughs> well, I, it's not. No, I just don't. No. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, Benny, you got some cards, and and I know you 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 were the first person to chime in on this list. So I think I I, I think the rest of us are a little bit jealous because I think you grabbed a couple of the juicy ones. So uh, go for it. We're we're probably just to warn you, we're probably going to uh, you know chime in on at least a couple of these.
2: Okay. Yeah. Feel free. Um, oh, that Nighthawk
0: maker thing. Oh. No.
1: <laughs> Well the first card I wanted to talk about actually was Chain Reaction. Which um I have to say has got me uh excited about um breaking out my uh Mog Maniacs and uh my uh, stuffy dolls and uh, just horrible things to uh players with uh with you know, a very cluttered battlefield full of creatures. You know, the chain reaction obviously is another one of those cards that, that you're pretty sure um Ken Nagel made for for EDH player, because it's such a a good you know good scaled card for you know an EDH table where there's just tons of creatures out there and token madness and chain reaction just you know I can see it dealing 20, 30, 40 points of damage you know and and when you when you're doing that kind of damage to creatures I just I I love having Mog Maniac out there to just somebody very very oh. sad. <laughs> So you know, it it kind of reminds me of uh. There's another there's another sorcery that's uh, six mana. I'm trying to remember some of it. That's okay. red. No, it's a it's a red spell. Um, vo- volcanic. Flame wave. Volcanic winds, maybe.
0: Oh, uh, the winds uh, winds hits players. Is it?
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's actually more powerful than volcanic wind, but volcanic wind was was to that. It was uh, volcanic wind was. Two red and four for sorcery. Uh, deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures, where X is the number of creatures in play. Uh, for masks, but but I had used volcanic wind with Mog Maniac four. Uh, chain reaction is just a uh, you know much more devastating. So I'm mean, you know, chain, chain reaction is one of the one of the spells I'm really looking forward to in to, the deck. Something with red in it and maniacs and Mog Maniac and the. Stuffy doll, but uh, then another card that I'm I'm looking forward to playing in my ed- deck is Terra Eternal. Which, um, you know most most EDHers hate the the LD that crops up periodically, especially Obliterate. Which, um, especially I think I think Sheldon has people think that it's okay to play Obliterate as an emergency reset button, but it always just seems to get played shut shut the game down except for the person that cast it. You know they'll float a bunch of mana. Uh, you know, something after the Obliterate that just seals the game. So I just think, if you're playing White, throw the Terra Eternal in your deck and be the hero. You know, plus, of course, play plenty of Man Lands so that they can just go nuts with that, too.
2: Oh, wow. Like, the politics of that card are insane. Yeah. If, if, you, if you have that in play, then, you know, it's like, hey, you guys, you know, if you don't like Mass LD, don't kill me, because as soon as I'm gone, you know, they're gonna throw it down, so... You might even get some blue player to uh, help counterspell something that's going to hit it, or something like that. Like, wow, yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, and you play white decks, so I don't know.
1: Have you had a chance to play well, Terra Tournament?
2: I have to in my group, because we just absolutely don't play Mass LD, so... Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> most, most of the people I play with don't either, but, you know, there are plenty of... Uh, mines and Dust Bowls and... stuff that goes around that,
2: you know, it's not bad yeah, to shut that down. Yeah, but, um, you know, uh, I got the Crucible, and it's only for me, so. <laughs> right. Okay. It, it ended- in Sheldon's last article about EDH, he uh, talked about he, played, he cast Obliterate, and then he went on to lose that game, like he should, so <laughs> something to keep in mind.
1: <laughs> like, I think uh, last time I had a person play Obliterate, they floated Black Mana and played Liliana Vess, and then she quickly Ooh. went Ultimate a couple of turns later, so that was kind of game over. But uh, anyway, the last uh, card that I was really excited about in uh, World Wake to talk about tonight was uh, Basilisk Collar. Um was interesting. When we first compiled this list, I think it was kind of a, a sleeper card. Um, and uh, I had actually pre-ordered three of them because when I first saw it, I thought, you know, it's not to like about this card? I mean, it's pretty darn cool. And uh, I had ordered three for 99 cents, and then um, I opened three. Uh, my first thought was, ooh, I have my playset to play in standard, and I've got two to throw in EDH decks. <laughs> but of course, now they're going for like six bucks a piece, so I'm I'm, I'm strongly sorely tempted to maybe divest myself of a couple. But, uh, you know, Basilisk Collar is just a great... Uh, those artifacts that I imagine are going to be dropped into just about every EDH deck... Um, you know, Death Touch, Life Link, you know, just basically upgrading any creature for cheap costs, and, you know, that's that's not necessarily, um, into account the shenanigans you can pull with, like, Goblin Sharpshooter, something like Squallmonger, I mean, all kinds of crazy little things that you can combo with him on top of Got it.
0: shot, so. Archers. Okay, well, that uh, wraps up our talk about Worldwake, an exciting set to be sure, we've got a lot of good cards to to work with. We're going to talk a little bit now about uh, some of our regular features, Uh, we're not going to do all of them this week because we focused on uh, Worldwake and we're going to talk a little bit about Rise of the Eldrazi in a bit, but we are going to do a couple of our episodic features, and the first one I think we have our Junk Rare Hidden Gem of the podcast, and Uh, Sean has a Junk Rare Hidden Gem that he's utilizing uh, in one of his play sessions. So, Sean, tell us about our episode, Junk Rare Hidden Gem.
2: Yeah, uh, my play group, we've kind of started experimenting with uh, playing Pentacle. Um, In Pentacle, it's a monocolor format with five players each playing one of the colors, and Uh, if you haven't played it before. It's really interesting. Basically, you try to keep your two allied colors alive, and then your two enemy colors. One of the things about the format is you don't play things that are color hosers. Even, like, choose a color stuff that could be a color hoser, like uh, Story Circle, you don't play stuff like that. I I can't play a Chroma because it has pro black and red. Um, And you can play this with EDH decks or not, but, I mean, of course it's gonna be way more fun with EDH decks since it's EDH. Uh, so this one got me, like, you know, what what's my new general gonna be if I'm still gonna be white, and Commander Isha, um, it's, uh, 2 and 2 white, or uh, Bird Soldier Legend, with flying and protection from creatures, it's a 2-4. So, um, it's kind of a neat little card, I think, uh, like, it basically is unblockable, because it has protection from creatures, and, um, you know, it can block anything and not die, so, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> if uh you guys are going to play pentacle or whatever I mean it, it, even if not I think this is a fine card even as a general or uh just as into your EDH deck because it can block anything and it can't be blocked so
0: actually it's card. it's a good thing that green is one of your allies cuz flash foliage would own commander isha
2: Aww. <laughs> 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 I'm looking that up <laughs>
0: actually doesn't quite own it, but it's interesting because Flash Foliage puts a sapling token into play blocking a creature. Ooh. And uh, you can't assign a, you know, say a a creature to block Commander Isha, but if a card says the creature is blocking it, that's different than assigning. And that's what protection does. It prevents you from assigning a creature to block it. You could actually block it with the Flash Foliage token. I should be surprised. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're still not going to deal any damage, but at least you can block Commander Aisha once with it.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: pretty fun. It's one of those little corner case rules gems that you know sometimes we whip out around here. Benny, what do you think about Commander Aisha?
1: Oh, I, I think it's a fine card. I, I've played Commander Aisha in quite a few uh, multiplayer decks way back in the day. I, I haven't, I haven't whipped her out for uh, an EDH game yet, but uh, she's my stack of generals that I want to um, try out in the near future. So yeah, she's a good, she's a great card.
2: Really want to slap uh, a ascension on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> what was that that um that artifact that lets you redirect damage done to you to a creature or whatever? I'm trying to remember what the oh, uh... Nova Pentacle. Well, yeah, Nova Pentacle was one, but it was a
2: uh... oh, it
1: <laughs> it was a uh... Like squeeze, uh, squeeze He's toy?
0: Uh, no.
1: What kind of clothing that he had. Oh man! You know when he was a goblin nabob, it was like his nabob clothing.
0: Uh, regalia. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, generals' regalia, governors' regalia. That's exactly right. Yeah, generals' regalia. That's it. Dingo. Yep, General's Regalia. Ah, yes. Source of your choice. So, yeah, spend three oh, and... Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, Sean is salivating now. Oh, um, drooling.
2: Absolutely. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> That's pretty nice. All right, well, I guess we know that Sean's going to be making room in his deck for one General's Regalia.
2: <laughs> yeah, for the Pentacle version.
0: <laughs> and, 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 um... You know, this might actually trump Commander Isha as the Hidden Rare Gem, so we should stop talking about it right now so we can add it in another future episode. Yep. Oh, hey, we can just call this, we'll call this section our Hidden Rare Gem two-card Hidden Rare Gem Combo section of this show. Yep. Excellent. Hey,
1: you know, actually, uh, my my hidden gem kind of actually would work in that deck, too, I guess, in a way. So <laughs> shall we segue, I guess,
0: into mine? <laughs> that's a perfect segue. Go for it.
1: Well, uh, a card that I've I've been, that I sort of stumbled across about six months ago, and it kind of uh, hit me with the with the sort of, uh, you know, why hadn't I thought of this earlier, was uh, tail Kitsune Ascendant. And uh, I had originally put it in my Doran deck, and I never drew it or, you know, had a chance to play it. And eventually, when I put that deck down and built my uh, Jacques Levert deck, I put in Rune Tail and actually got to play it fairly recently. And uh, his ability, in case you're not familiar with it, he's a he's a creature from Saviors of Kamigawa. One of those flip cards. He costs one white and two. Two-two. And uh, he's a legendary fox monk. Which, you know, I guess you could play him as your general. But uh, when you have 30 or more life, you flip him and... On the flip side, he's a legendary enchantment to prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control. So, obviously you can see, you know, all your creatures not take any damage is pretty awesome. So, you know, I've had him when he's, you know, and and you're playing Elder Dragon Highlander, you start with 40 life. So, typically, he's going to be pretty easy to flip. So, you know, Fun. He's fun to, definitely fun to try out. So have, have any of y'all been uh, able to try him out?
0: Can't say that I have. Nope, I haven't.
1: <laughs> well, he's definitely worth trying out, guys. He's uh, very cheap to get. Like I think, you know, he goes from anywhere from fifty cents to a dollar. <laughs> so, play him white, and you know, why not throw him in your
0: EDH deck? Do that. Definitely, we'll keep that in mind. And uh, and my card this week is um, less of a less of a junk rare hidden gem. But uh, this is actually for me. This is my weekly fondle. And uh, I'm going to talk about a little a little common that could. And this is from uh, Prophecy. So talk about a set that hasn't had a lot of stellar cards uh, come down with it through the ages. This is the card Withdraw. Two blue. It's an instant. Basically, it says return target creature to its owner's hand, then return another target creature to its owner's hand unless its controller pays. One. Um, I don't know about you folks, but for me, this. Pardon?
2: I said is usually in the queue.
0: Yeah, usually in the queue, and and really, it's 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 just like erratic portal and uh, crystal shard, and and that is uh, rarely rarely are you targeting someone else's creature for that second part of the ability where they have to you know bouncing unless they pay one now basically uh this is uh I, I i hold a card like this in my hand until something important like either my general or or, or a creature it's doing something good for me gets targeted with some removal and then i use this as an opportunity to you know somewhat foil the removal um get it back to my hand so i can recast it and then um you know T- you know, target some other problematic creature on the board and uh, and cause someone a little bit of trouble. You know, it's it's not a permanent solution, but you know, unless you're targeting a token, of course. Um, draining well. What's that? Pretty ridiculous with draining well because you bounce mm-hmm. the guy and then you bounce your well. So go ahead and cast it. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you know, I just uh, I have always loved the card because of its ability to um, you know use it. Bounce one of your 187 creatures if you need to, and 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 nail somebody else while you're at it. And that second part of the ability becomes basically negligible. Just just like Crystal Shard and Erratic Portal when you're using it for your own creatures, and you you have no intention of paying that one mana, and it becomes a really cheap way to bounce one of your creatures. So that's my fondle for the week. Well, hey guys, we, let's talk a little bit about the Eldrazi set, uh, Rise of the Eldrazi coming out, and and we'll put a little caveat on this for all of you listeners out there. If you're uh, if you're uh, phobic to spoilers, have a great week. We l- thank you for tuning in. You can turn the podcast off now and go away. But we're going to talk a little bit about this. And these are the the pooled cards that went out to a bunch of different sites. These are going to be showing up all over the internet, um, and and have shown up by the time you hear our Podcast. They have shown up all over the internet. Uh, we're just gonna do our little take on it. So Benny, uh, you you brought these cards in. You you were uh, the source for getting some of these for our podcast. So why don't you uh, introduce a little bit about what we ended up getting here to talk about?
1: Okay. Um, well, they gave us some uh, commons and uncommons from the new set, and uh, the nice thing about them is that they you know they feature some of the new mechanics or you know the styles from the new the new set. Um, and I think one of the more interesting uh, parts of what we uh, found was that we've got an uncommon Eldrazi, which you know, kind of uh, is kind of freaky considering that these creatures are these gigantic monsters. You would have thought they probably would all be mythic or, or rare. So I uh, thought it was interesting to see, uh, for instance, the the one that we got for our pool was called Pathraser of Ulamog, and uh, he's an 11-drop, uncommon, Eldrazi, 9-9. And uh, he's got Annihilator 3, which uh, is that ability where if this creature attacks, Defending Player sacrifices that number of permanents. So, uh, and on top of it all, hes it's kind of a nice combination with the Annihilator ability. Uh, he can only be blocked um, by three or more creatures. So... You know, he swings in, they've got to sacrifice something. Oftentimes, you know, especially in EDH, um, those are the more negligible things that you have laying around to sacrifice. So it's kind of puts you in a rock and a hard place. So uh, anyway, I thought this is this is an uncommon. I could definitely see plenty of people tossing him in their EDH deck that has, you know, the potential of, of generating that amount of mana. You know, whether you're doing the Omnath, Path, or Rafelos, or if you're just on the uh, the Chalice plan. The Chalice plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I think he's uh, he's definitely uh, in- interesting and exciting. And, uh, as a colorless creature, you know, you can throw him in just about any deck that uh, can get up to that mana. So, anyway, jump in on uh, some of the other cards,
0: guys. John, why don't you take one? Okay, I'm going to take... Uh... Oh.
2: Mnemonic Wall, uh, Mnemonic Wall is 4 in a blue common for a 0-4 wall and when it enters the battlefield you may return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand, so it's kind of like an archivist and an uh, anarchist wrapped into one, but just for blue, and I guess they still like to make these guys cost 5 mana, there was, a, there was another is it one right, uh, something, is a 2-2 two two for 3 red-blue that has the exact same ability. I mean, this card, it's, you, know, you always, Graveyard's a huge resource, especially in EDH, and when you can get back any instant or sorcery card with this, uh, even a 0-4 wall, which, you know, maybe not the best creature ever, but, you know, it can it can block something, I guess. Uh, you'd almost pay 5 mana just for the regrowth if you're not in green or black or something like that, and you can't just get your cards back with, uh, I think it's a pretty good option for blue to get back one of your more busted instants or sorceries. Um
0: like momentary like... blink.
2: Yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I definitely like abilities like this. Uh so yeah, I am I'm, I'm happy to see it. And I'm going to uh like so I'm going to grab this one. There's uh and and here's another string of their attempts to make auras uh more palatable to play, because a lot of people are afraid of the whole two-for-one thing, but this is called uh, Mammoth Umbra. It's an uncommon enchantment aura for one white and four colorless. It's an enchant creature, and it says the enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three vigilance, so nothing to sneeze at there. And it has an ability called Totem Armor, and that says, if enchanted creature would be destroyed, instead remove all damage from it and destroy this aura. So basically, it, um... That's interesting, because uh, this will basically keep this thing from dying to damage, but not necessarily from dying to, say, uh, a Doom Blade. Are you reading that right? No, it's, no, it's
2: going to keep it from dying, period. If Enchanted Creature would be destroyed.
0: Oh, you're right, it's a replacement effect. That's right. If they're not exiling it
2: or making you sacrifice it, then you're just going to get rid of the enchantment, and kind of as a bonus, you just get to remove any damage that was already on it. So.
0: Got it. Okay. Yep. Never mind. I I, I outruled myself. Oh, so, but I, I you know I think that's nice. Um, again, you still have to get it onto the creature, but uh, um, this is this I'm thinking is some great mass removal protection if nothing else too, uh, because obviously it's gonna it's gonna basically steer uh, targeted removal away from that creature because no no one's gonna want to have to spend two removal spells to get rid of this creature and so that's nice, and it's uh, obviously going to make the creature big enough to, uh, uh, you know, avoid a lot of damage, and uh, you know, it lets it tussle into combat very easily because you know that uh, aura is just going to get uh, sacrificed. And I mean, it's uh, it's very interesting. It, you know, it 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 doesn't stop the creature from getting removed in response to you casting it, but once it's out, and you're going to have some fun with it.
2: And, and Vigilance in multiplayer cannot be overrated. I mean, I think it's probably the second-best ability behind Haste. Like, it's it's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's it's almost better than Lifelink just because of all the things that aren't going to attack you. this creature out there, so... It uh, might make it into my deck, I think. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I can see it. Obviously, it's going to go right in a Ural deck for sure.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Yurl, the ever annoying. <laughs> the ever frightening, terrifying <laughs> Ural. Boy, <laughs> thank God it's it's big enough, isn't it? Is, isn't there a, a manner restriction on zur the Enchanter? Yes, yeah, three. Okay, got it. So, well, thank God it's out of range for that.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: All right, well, that's half of them. Let's let's uh, let's talk about the other three and and call it a night here. Oh, so, uh, Benny, you're up. Which which one are you gonna grab?
1: All right, well, the, the next one I thought was kind of interesting was uh, Corpse Hatch. It's a, uh, for three colorless and two black, it's an uncommon sorcery. Kind of what you expect, you know, it's sort of the limited mana sorcery removal that black gets. This one destroys target non-black creature, um, but it puts 2 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens into the battlefield. And they have sacrificed this creature to add one to your mana pool. So, you know, on its face, I don't necessarily know if this is going to be the kind of card that's going to hit um, and play in EDH. But I think um, they sort of have the... It hints to what... Uh, it sounds like they're going to be having these Eldrazi spawn creature tokens popping up, sways through the set. It'll help you, I guess, sac, you know, sack to cast these big monsters. So while I'm not necessarily thinking Corpse Hatch is gonna make it into to EDH deck near you, unless you're running lots of sacrificial thing, things that need to be sacrificed, uh, I'm just I'll be curious to see what other. Okay, uh, I was just saying the I'm not sure necessarily sure that Corpse Hatch is gonna be the kind of card that uh, makes it into EDH. I, I think uh, it it hints to some other cards that I think might be you know might be interesting pops up to to make these little token creatures sack, you know, sack off to
0: to give you mana. All right, certainly something that if you've got something like that, maybe maybe uh maybe is an extra token generator in an undercard deck, huh?
2: Yeah. This this is really broken with Butcher of Malakir.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's right cuz it it has the built-in um that's the one with the uh every time uh, a creature of yours goes to the graveyard, everybody else drops one of theirs. Oh
1: yeah, that would be pretty gross with that guy.
2: So kill a guy, and, you know, if you have Butcher Malik here or if you're just gonna play Butcher Malak here next turn, you know, that's Grave Pack. So you've got these two guys you can sack at will. Uh, pretty gross.
0: <laughs> anything that triggers on, anything that triggers on those uh, creatures leaving play with the built-in sack ability, that's kinda nice to have them there. That's one thing I remember when we were talking about endrix R, we, uh, a lot of times we had to find uses for these brawls, especially if we didn't want them to, you know, outnumber endrix you know, uh, his uh, limit, and you know, cause him to be sacrificed. You know, he'd find some way to sacrifice him. So usually he had to rely on some other card. Whereas these spawn tokens, um, you know, they have that built-in sack outlet, and you know, no mana burn anymore. So, you're set. Well, let's see. Um, we got two more to go. Sean, go ahead and uh, and and bring us almost to the home stretch, and I'll grab the last one.
2: Okay, I'm going to talk about Praise Vengeance. Uh, it's a one green instant uncommon. creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. Um, And you might wonder why I wanted to talk about this one, but it's really just the keyword on the card. It's rebound. Um, If you cast the spell from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. So, it's another free spell mechanic. And, you know, that's just this one's not really super impressive to me. You know, it's you know, it's a giant growth sort of, and a sorcery speed one. Oh, it'll go off on your upkeep, so you can plus two, plus two, something. Okay, so rebound is basically um spell, and then in addition to that, spell suspend one. So basically, your next upkeep, you get to play it again. Um, so I mean, it's a free spell. <laughs> Like, every, every time you... I don't know what other spells are going to come out with this, but, you know, obviously anything that's removal is going to be good, because you'll get to use it twice, or maybe even some card draw would be nice, or, I don't know, rebound's going to be... Hopefully R&D uh, didn't, you know... <laughs> Respells are always crazy, so... Can't wait to see maybe a Cascade and Rebound deck or something like that, see what's going on, but...
0: I was just thinking, as as a less impressive uh, spell to throw on an Isochron Scepter, it, it would just you know mean a, a constant stream of plus four, plus four, for something, perhaps. Yeah. But at a cost of uh, basically one green and two colorless, so, eh, like I said, maybe not that impressive. All right, the... Uh, the they made up the word
2: rebound if they already have the word suspend, you know? They could just be like, as the spell resolves, suspend it for one or something, you know? Yeah, uh, they want it to be different, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, they
0: they um they really have gone to keywording things uh, a lot, especially if they're going to have similar mechanics on similar cards. Um, you know, if it was just a one shot, the card just does one thing, and you know, that's it. You know, like your Angel of Admonition. You know, it's it. Well, no, I mean even Angel of Admonition, they went and keyworded landfall. So, but I mean, Admonition you just yeah. or Admonition Angel, sorry. You know, so they're keywording a lot of stuff, and it just, you know, there you have it. And rebound is obviously done as a consequence of casting the spell, and as it resolves, and, um, you know, you'd have to tack, like, two keywords together. You'd have to, like, rebound would refer to, uh, suspend as another keyword. Cast and... the spell from
2: your hand. Okay, so that'll stop it from,
0: uh... Oh, that won't work on a scepter, then. Yeah, yeah and it... and
2: yeah, and Scepter. So, okay, so maybe that's kind of yeah. controlling it a little better. Got it. And I mean, if you've got Rebound and Cascade, that's going to get really crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and unlike unlike Cascade as well, a counter stops at cold because you exile it as it resolves. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's, you know, like you said, it's still a free mechanic, so who knows what it's going to bring us. It, you know, uh, every little bit maybe helps, and, you know, maybe they're just uh, skill testers. We'll see. Well the last one we ended up getting uh, was called Valakut Firebore and uh, this is another uncommon uh, 4 colorless and a red it's a creature it's an elemental boar uh, it's kind of impressive in that this is a 1-7 so it's got a huge back end and it's its big trick is that whenever it attacks you switch its power and toughness until end of turn but so you're attacking with a 7-1. Honestly I, I, I give this the big yawn.
2: And by a boar would change its power and toughness.
0: I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, you know, in boar, in you know, if, if, wild boar hunting, from anything I've ever seen about it, you, you essentially get the boar worked up so that it charges you, and you basically prop a spear in front of it and let it p- impale itself. And I think flavor-wise, that almost fits.
2: Well, thank you, because that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Quicksand this guy. <laughs>
0: Oh heck yeah! Why not? Well, I mean, you know, charging boars. Yeah, they 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 wouldn't uh, pay any attention to that batch of quicksand. They'd sink right in.
2: Uh, it, it is kind of funny because it's kind of red. I guess because it's just like it's just so stupid. It just charges at you without any idea of like what you have for defense. No, nope. so, I mean because it's not, not optional. You have to switch its power and toughness. So it's basically <laughs> if it attacks, it's really weak. <laughs> it's one yeah. Thing, so.
0: I was gonna say this is uh, this is the one this is one of the cards out of this batch that I think we can pretty safely say probably not coming to an EDH deck near you.
2: Yeah, probably not.
0: <laughs> all right, well, um, that pretty much wraps up these Rise of the Eldrazi cards. I know there's going to be more in the coming weeks, uh, so folks will be keeping an eye on this set. It's definitely got some interesting stuff. Um, all those Eldrazi cards that are are colorless. Um, and huge, uh, I could see almost any of them probably easily dropping into a whole slew of EDH decks.
2: Oh, I'm definitely gonna put Kozilek in my deck, and that, that guy is just insane. And I might put Ugin in my deck too. Uh,
0: Ugin, uh, Ugin can also fetch out um, other artifact, uh, yeah, artifact creatures that are colorless.
2: So amazing because it shuffles entire graveyard in. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Like, if you have a sack outlet with that, you just, you know, you could tutor it up with Eye of Yugen and then play it, draw your four cards, and maybe block or something, whatever, sack it. I'll just tutor it up again and and draw four more cards. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's definitely going in my deck, (laughs) my model white deck, you know.
0: And it kind of makes me wish I could figure out how to uh, make it work to copy uh, Everflowing Chalice uh, with, with the counters on it.
2: Well, you know what's but, really cool too is that when it goes to the graveyard, it's not a replacement; it's a it's a trigger. So it's not if; it's when. So when right. it hits the graveyard. You know, you can miraculous recovery and put it in play. <laughs> or oh yeah. Response to the ability.
0: Oh, uh, it's yeah. That's that's that is very interesting because it you know it, it, at first someone uh, I remember when it first got uh, spoiled out, and I, I just checked some of the magic uh, mtg salvation boards and i think it was like the third or fourth post someone says whoa i'm gonna have to free up a slot in my reanimator deck and and then everyone's like whoa dude you know this just goes back into your uh you know your deck and you know granted you can reanimate it if you have something that does it at instant speed before um its triggered ability resolves but uh, most reanimator decks don't run those spells because they cost too much usually running
2: makeshift mannequin and extended or something though I mean I don't
0: know <laughs> yeah makeshift mannequin is a possibility yeah. but um, makes it a lot easier to get rid of if it's a makeshift mannequin all right well um, John anything else interesting in EDH that you've been uh, playing recently obviously you said you guys started building uh, around with this uh, prismatic style of play and are you doing that with your EDH decks or are you doing that with just regular decks
2: uh, well, we've only done it with 60 card decks, but we kept it Highlander. so I kind of took most most of the cards from my from my uh, Pentacle deck were from my edH deck just because it's already Highlander anyway, and I was playing white and I've got a lot of the best white cards in there anyway. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna try it with just uh, doing it as edh so. Kind of, We just started doing it, so I kind of need a little more time. But basically, monocolor EDH with no hosers. So, I think it'll
0: be fun. Yeah, that, uh, I got to play a little EDH last weekend. Uh, my wife and I went to a local fantasy convention, and uh, they, they had a gaming room set up. Um, and we, you know, I, I basically camped out in there looking for people to play Magic with, and there were quite a few uh, folks playing Magic there. And uh, EDH is popular enough that there are several... Uh, folks that had EDH and and uh, we got to a point where we had a couple kids stop by who didn't bring their magic cards and so we lent them some decks and so I lent this nine-year-old roughly eight nine-year-old kid uh, I I just have uh, an EDH deck that's that I kind of morphed out of an old vintage Highlander deck that I made that was all you know mono red and so I threw in uh, Jaya Ballard Task Mage as the general and so i handed to this kid and said okay here use this one this kid was like the absolute epitome of the chaotic red mage just out there to cause mayhem because he would just he'd just go any which way and you know cast this and you know get into some kind of truce and then end up attacking the person anyways and oh it was beautiful it was just a thing of beauty you know it's just it's like wow you know this kid is the red mage just there to cause chaos in me. Speaking well, that was, was... magic. Uh,
2: eight-year-old um, in uh, where are they? him poor, at the Grand Prix. He, uh, he yeah, day two with John.
0: Yeah, that's quite a that's quite an accomplishment.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I would love the day two at Grand Prix.
0: <laughs> I'd hate to be the guy in the last round, you know, fighting to make day two and lose to the kid. Oh yeah, and
2: then they feature matched it so there's this huge crowd. Like, oh jeez. Oh,
0: didn't I? Uh, didn't I hear that like the the uh, is it the kid's opponent like won the first game and then got booed by everybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh what a nightmare! It's
2: like you know if you if you win you just dream crushed and if you lost you just lost to an eight year old.
0: So. I know. Uh, oh, well that's uh, a a good thing I'm not. Uh, playing for uh, day two at Kuala Lumpur so um you know honestly I guess it you know I can laugh at it but you know I don't know as I'm ever gonna be playing for day two at a Grand Prix so <laughs> more power to him yeah. well with that folks that's gonna wrap up this episode of Summon Elder Dragon on behalf of Sean and Benny. We'd like to thank you for listening this far. We're gonna try and be back in about two weeks with another episode. A uh, fairly standard episode, but I'm sure we'll have some more Rise of the Eldrazi information. We'll get back to uh, looking at a general uh, and kind of uh, fleshing it out a little bit, giving you some ideas about it. And we're also going to talk about uh, pimping out your EDH deck with uh, great things like foils, special cards, and uh, custom art. So that'll be a lot of fun. So thanks for listening, and until next time, summoning those Elder dragons. Bye-bye.